Good morning. Welcome here to Genesis. It's good to have you here with us this morning. Well, we are continuing our series entitled Tribe, and I'm so glad that you are here. And we're looking at what it means to be a tribe from 1 Peter chapter 2, where Peter says, you were once not a people, but now you are the people of God, where we understand what it is to be connected to others and not just be an individual, to, to see ourselves in this unifying way and not being so excluded as is our tendency. And the first week we looked at the idea of lifting one another up, how important it is to be able to encourage each other and to gather strength from one another. We need each other and it's an important part of what it means to be a tribe. The week before we talked, or the week after that, we talked about how we are a part of a story that's bigger than us and it is our responsibility to participate in that story, to continue this story, which is the gospel. The message that Jesus gave, we, we continue that message and that's the continuation and the development of our tribe. That's how a tribe flourishes and continues is by continuing in that story. And, and last week we talked about what it is to trust. How our problems, the junk that we have in our lives is actually the answer to who we are. That we answer what it means to be a tribe in those areas of deficiency, in those areas of weakness. That is where a tribe shows up. And so we all have junk. We all are dealing with this stuff. And it's important that we understand that that's okay. In fact, we have to be able to find those people we can confide in and trust in so that we can continue to develop in this area. And we need to understand how important it is to be a part of a team. But so often, it's more difficult to get things done with other people. Has anyone ever noticed that? Has anyone ever had to do a school project right when you're with other people and there's always that one person right you've got five people and they're all stepping up they're all doing their part but there's that one guy that one girl who always says oh i'm sorry i forgot and it's like but you had to do this part without your part ours looks bad and like well can you do it for me and it's like, well, I guess I have to now, you know, that you didn't do it. And we know what it's like to have to depend on other people. And sometimes it just feels like I can do more by myself. But the whole idea is what you do is then by yourself. And so sometimes working with others is more difficult, but it's also necessary. I remember one time reading an article in Guitar Player magazine. This was years ago, and it was Rick Nielsen from Cheap Trick. And they were talking to him about his playing guitar, and they asked him, well, who has influenced you? What other guitar player has really influenced you to, to make you a better guitar player? And he said, well, Robin Zandler. I think it's Zandler, the singer of Cheap Trick. And I was thinking... Robin, does he play guitar? He doesn't play guitar very well. And then he went on and he said, yeah, he's so terrible, I have to play for him and for me both. <laughs> and I thought, well, that's kind of a cheap shot for a cheap trick. But then he said, but he's an amazing singer, which he was, right? So sometimes it seems like other people actually make things more difficult. And they can bring us down and it can become more 
of a problem than a help. And so if we don't recognize that we're made for community, we end up living just a hollow shell of what we're supposed to be. You know, the verse in Genesis where it says, it's not good for the man to be alone, is very telling of the human race. And so we need to recognize that we are in that. And we need others. Turn with me to Mark chapter 2. We're going to be looking at Mark chapter 2 this morning. Starting at verse 1. It says, A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. Get that picture, okay? Sitting here having a little talk and all of a sudden dust starts falling from the roof. What's that? It opens up the roof. Imagine you're the person who owns the house. Okay, (laughs) what? Not having Jesus back. Look what happens. His friends are radical. Verse five, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. Now, some of the teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven or to say, get up, take your mat and walk. But I want you to know that the son of man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of all of them. This amazed everyone. And they were praising God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. You know, one of the things being a part of a tribe is that there are people that surround you. The problem happens, or one of the problems that happens is when we come together, we are very aware of our own problems because you've been dealing with them all week. Maybe it's at work. Maybe it's at home. Maybe it's a physical ailment. And whatever it is, it's something that is on you all week. And so you get here where we meet together and what's on your mind is all the things that you are carrying and all the burdens that you have. And you come with the idea, can someone please help me with what I'm dealing with? But the problem then is we all come here Because we all go through that stuff throughout the week and we all get here and we're all looking for someone to help us. See, but what the problem becomes is if we fail to see how unconcerned we are with the needs of others around us, we're missing the opportunity of the importance of being a tribe. And so often that happens. We come here and say, boy, I hope I get something good. I hope Sam is saying something good this morning. I hope he doesn't talk about something that you know bums me out or I'm never coming back. I, I hope 
this happens so that I can get this. But we'd come not looking to see what are the concerns, what are the needs of the people around me. And it's amazing how we can be just oblivious of that. And, and we come to what we call church unconcerned with others and concerned with ourself. And a tribe is a place where we are for each other and not simply for ourselves. And that's what's important to get that and to understand that. Because a tribe's strength isn't how strong the people are around you. A tribe's strength is measured by the weak people you refuse to leave behind. And so... It's not I need strong people just to be here. It's I also need to be strong for those people who are struggling, those people who are are stumbling, those people who are having a hard time. And this story is just a, a beautiful picture of those people coming alongside someone who had no strength, who was paralyzed, someone who could not go and see Jesus. And so they went to see him. But it's an unusual story. It's unusual because it's not his family. The family isn't taking him. Hey, let's get you over to Jesus. It's friends. And it's important to understand the the mindset at this time and in this culture. You see, if a person was paralyzed and born that way, they were seen as being deficient. They were seen as being unpleasing to God. They they were seen to be in a light of something is wrong with them. God is not happy with them. This is God's judgment on them. Remember in John chapter 9, Jesus' disciples came up to Jesus. There was a blind man and they said, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Which I always thought is kind of cruel because the man is standing there and he's not deaf. You know, just because he's blind. and so, so what's wrong with this guy? Did he sin or his parents that he's born blind? The guy's like, I'm here. I can hear you. And Jesus goes on and he says, it's not the man's parents or his sins, but there's the opportunity for God to display his power. And it's displayed through his people. Then it was displayed through Jesus. But that was the mindset. Something is wrong with this guy. And if something is wrong with him, if God's judgment is on him, then we don't need to stand beside him. If there's a problem with him, then that's his problem because God has pronounced judgment on him. And so I don't have to worry myself with that. That's his lot in life. And so the fact that he's got four people that are taking him there, that aren't his family, that aren't seeing him as a person who is displeasing to God is an unusual thing. Let me ask you, do you have four people in your life who you have developed the relationship with so much that when you fall, they will come and they will pick you up? See, because that's what being a tribe is about. And if we get so concerned just with ourselves, what happens is when the time comes and the need is there in our own life, there's no one there beside us. We haven't developed the relationships of the people who care about us because we don't care about anybody. But this man had four friends that cared enough to take him there If you invest your life in others, then 
in time, they will invest their life also in you. And it might be easier to move alone, but it's better to move forward together. And that's what a tribe does. Because the strength is there when we're together. It's important that we see that the most valuable asset that we can have as people isn't a bank account. It isn't insurance. It's people. Jesus gave a parable in Matthew or Luke 16 about the, the shrewd steward where the man was getting fired and, and he was going to have to be out of a job and he was going to be homeless and he was too old to be able to work hard and he was too proud to be able to beg. And so what he did is he took all the master's uh, people who owed him money and he says, oh, you owe him 100 bushels, just give out 50. And he made himself in good standings with all the people who owed his master money. And Jesus commended him for being wise because he made friends with people that would be his future. How often we forget that really what our future is is going to be our people. That's why you need to be nice to your kids. Because someday they got to take care of you, right? Kind of remind them, hey son, I just want you to remember, I bailed you out, okay? I brought you home, so don't put me in one, okay? I was there for you, so be there for you. see, the future is really connected to people. And if we don't see that, we don't invest wisely. We don't invest in what's important. We don't invest in people. We invest in things. And we spend so much time putting our energy in the wrong places. And so that's why we're having like the connect this Saturday to learn how to invest well. That's why we have to celebrate recovery, learning how to care for each other because that's where the investment needs to take place. Now, everyone wanted to hear Jesus. The crowd was there. The place was full. The problem is everybody was looking in towards Jesus and no one was looking out and seeing that there is a paralyzed man out here who needs to get in here probably more than I do. And so all these people are in facing Jesus and, and they're missing the fact that someone needs him, but they were so caught up in what they wanted, they didn't see the need that was right behind him. You see, at this point, their friends are coming up. The place is packed. Their friends could have said, oh man, look at that crowd. You ever drive up to Starbucks and you just need a coffee? And then you pull around the corner. And when I go to the one on Foothill, I, I turn in. And when I turn in, sometimes I can see cars turning in in front of me. And it's like one, two, no, 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 three, four. And pretty soon now the line is out the driveway. And it's like, I don't have time for this. Just telling first world struggles here, right? <laughs> Their friends could have said, we're never going to get in. Sorry, buddy put the mat down, left. Or let's go back. But the friends pursued. They persisted. They, they, they could have said, well, it's not God's will. We tried to see Jesus, but look at The place was crowded. They were going to find a way to get their friend 
where he could not get alone. He can't get in there, but we can find a way to get him there. And I love these guys because they are creative in the most destructive way. They said, the roof. They could use a skylight. Let's get up there. And it says that they dug. So that means there's like mud. There's probably some palm leaves on the roof. But can you imagine sitting there and and having that idea? There's who knows how many people inside the house, around the house. You have to get up on the roof. You have to get the paralyzed guy up on the roof. Imagine how that looked. The guy, okay, I hope you guys got me, you know, as they carry him up on the roof. And they bring him up on there, and then they start digging the mud through the roof. And there's Jesus. Maybe he's going through the Beatitudes. Maybe he's talking about a parable. Maybe something nice. You are the light of the world. And here comes the dust crumbling down, and then a light shines from the roof. And everyone stops and starts looking at this. And then all of a sudden, here comes the mat, right? It's like, what on earth is going on here? You see, these guys knew their friend couldn't get there, but they could get him there. And they went to whatever lengths necessary to get him to Jesus. And that's what a tribe looks like. They could have stopped, but they didn't. They were going to find the way. You see, we need to be the kind of people who people can believe in for themselves. We need to be the kind of people people can see us and know that we will be there for them. We live in a broken world probably more than ever before. Maybe we're just more aware because of social media. We know about racism, and it's amazing that racism still exists so strongly, whether it's black, white, even Korean against Japanese or Chinese. I mean, you can look at people in the Middle East, and I don't know if they're Israeli or Palestinian, and they could look at each other and probably not tell, but once they know, boom. And so we live in this fragmented world that's struggling in so many areas. And it's amazing how we get so focused on our identity. And we have all these little pockets of people. And it's kind of funny because when you're in one of those pockets, you feel very secure. You feel very comfortable. You become very prideful. And so we have all these different classes and races of people. And it's kind of funny to think because a lot of times we don't think about it. You know, you think, oh, they're just white. Well, no, I'm not just white. I'm Irish. Well, I'm English. You think, oh, they're just Mexican. I'm not Mexican. I'm Guatemalan. You know, and you think, well, it's the same to me. Don't you dare say it's the same to me. Don't you dare get an Argentinian and a Brazilian in the same room if their teams are playing soccer together. (laughs) We get surrounded around our team. We, We have our pride in those things. And you see, we're living in a world that's fragmented more than ever before. And we need to see this. There's so much wrong that we need to be the right. We are the people who take the world that is paralyzed on this mat and bring it to a place where healing comes. But we should not expect the world to become more just 
We should not expect the world to become more merciful or more compassionate if we're too busy listening and looking at Jesus to look outside and see the need that is there. We shouldn't expect any change if we're not focused on the needs that are around us. You see, this is the indictment as the church. We have been more focused on what we can get from God than what we can give with God to the world. And if we're too busy listening to Jesus to teach the word, hear the word rather than to give it to our friends who need it, then something's wrong. And I think that has happened where, you know, people are so happy and they just want to sit down and they want to hear Jesus's words and as beautiful and as powerful as those words are, if we don't look outside and reach to the person who's paralyzed on the mat, then we are failing those words. We are not being his disciples. We are not the tribe. We are not the example that he has set for us and that this passage clearly sets for us. A tribe doesn't only bring people to hear, but brings people to healing. And they bring people to healing, but they clear the way so that they can get there. They make the path. And we make the path by going there ourselves, by going there with them. You see, they're not going to let anything get in the way of their friend getting to God. That is more important than the roof that they're tearing apart. It's more important than the traditions that we hold on to. Erwin McManus has this saying where he says, we have saved our pews, but we have lost our children. We've held on to these traditions at the sake of the people who God cares about. And I think we need to always be willing to tear up whatever roof is necessary, whatever tradition is out there that needs to be gotten rid of if we can bring one more person who's paralyzed into the house. I can remember 10 years ago just kind of being awakened to this in my own life. And and it happened through a, a number of things. It happened through some trips I went on Uh, One was out to Wales, to Swansea, Wales. And and I just remember then starting up a group. uh, It was a college career group that I wanted to to use to kind of go outside. I felt like I was too focused inward. I just stayed in the building of the church all day, all night, every day. And I said, we just got to get out. And so we started doing things to try and reach people outside, even did things at a pizza bar place, you know, and it was amazing how people started saying, well, you can't do those things. You shouldn't do that. And we started going out on social media. Back then it was MySpace. Who remembers MySpace? And I remember the flack I got just for posting that we were on MySpace. Well, you shouldn't be on there. Why not? Everyone else is. Are you on MySpace? Yeah, but you shouldn't be on there. You know, it's like, why not? Because you're, you're, you're going into the world. It's like, we're already in the world. They're already there. What's the problem? Our traditions. Well, I need to dig the roof up, man. I need to get through this because this ain't working. There are people paralyzed and they're not coming in here. Have you noticed? So we got to go out there. We got to go and help them to get in here. You see, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And and we need to be aware of that. 
you know, so many times we have to name ourselves a church so people know what we are. We call ourselves a church because we're afraid people won't know we're connected to Jesus because they don't see it in our actions. And instead of naming ourselves church, maybe we're supposed to be a human movement that changes the culture around us instead of just about a building or an organization. We're supposed to be a movement, a tribe that changes the culture around us. So what are the new roofs that need to be torn up so that people can get to God? What are the things we need to get rid of that are holding us back from representing and clearing the way so others can get to God? We need to be people who tear the roofs apart because someone is paralyzed. We need to be the friends that come alongside. And if we're only concerned with ourselves, we will never think, I've got an idea. Let's climb the roof, let's dig it up, and let's get that friend down there. You see, there has to be a passion for that for it to take place. And if you're just thinking, well, I hope so-and-so gets something out of it. Man, I'd be great if, you know, Johnny could be here. Yeah, but he's paralyzed. Yeah, I guess that stinks, huh? Oh, well, too bad for him. They didn't leave it like that. They got him. They got there. There was obstacles. Let's get past these obstacles. They got past it. Nothing was going to stop them. Are we those people? We are more broken than we've ever been. It's amazing how many people, as I mentioned, are just coming to the Celebrate Recovery group. And it's because there's so much need. Because we're becoming more aware of the need. You know, every culture develops language around the things that are a part of that culture. And the more that something is a part of that culture, the more language develops. And so if you're in Central America, you don't need a lot of words for snow because you don't get snow. And so you just call it snow. But if you're up in Alaska, well, then you have snow, you have hail, you have flurries, you have sleet. You have a bunch of language to help describe the variance because there's that little differences that are there that you start noticing. Years ago, there used to be minimal language for people who had struggles mentally. This guy's crazy. He's gone mad. He's insane. But think about it now. Now there's bipolar, there's manic depressive, there's ADD, there's ADHD, there's OCD. And I bet all of you know what those are. You see, because there is so much problem, we need more language to understand it. There are a lot of people paralyzed. There are a lot of people hurting, struggling. And the healing that we need comes when we walk in community. The healing that they need can be brought when they come in community. Notice in verse 5, something really strange takes place. When Jesus saw their plural faith, he's talking about the four friends. He saw their faith and he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Why does he see their friend's faith and then talk to the paralyzed guy? Isn't, shouldn't he say to the friends, I see your faith, I'm going to do you a favor. 
he sees their friend and then he talks to the paralyzed guy and says, your sins are forgiven. It's like, well, who are you talking to? Who is this meant for? What, what's going on here? Why are you seeing them and talking to them? And, and so many times we, we think faith is supposed to be private. It's supposed to be personal, but not private. Because when it becomes personal, it actually becomes a part of your life and it's no longer private. But what we see here is Jesus is seeing their faith and their faith is connected to their friend. And so when he speaks to the paralyzed man, it's in regards to the friends who have brought him there. It's not individualistic. Jesus sees their faith, the four, and he speaks to the one because he sees them together. We rub off on each other. Always told that to my kids. You're going to be like who you hang out with. And so maybe you're struggling. Maybe you're a person who, who's dealing with a problem. You know, you're, you're just depressed all the time. You know what? Start hanging around people who are happy. You know what? You're going to start finding yourself getting a little happier. And you're going to see, you know what? I can see where I start to go south when they start to go north. You have a struggle with a... Addiction. You know, you have a drinking problem. Start hanging out with some people maybe who don't drink or don't have that drinking problem. And then when you want to go and stay all night at the highbrow or someplace, what are you guys talking about? Laughing about? Do you know something I don't? Um, your friends leave and go and they... Go to Mr. Donuts, and that's a different issue. (laughs) They were closed last night because of Labor Day. But the thing is, you will start to adapt the characteristics of the people you hang out with. And so if you're suffering in some area, find people who can live a life different than that area that will start to pull you out of that area. You start to see where you fall short and where you need to change. You know, faith works in a similar way. When you're around people of faith, pretty soon you see the importance of faith. Pretty soon you see, I I need something like that in my life. I want something like that in my life. I remember when we went to Wales in 2005 and we had a group, there were some guys who were hanging out with us. We'd all go back to these dorms and hang out there. And these guys, you know, they were atheists and like, oh, you guys are Christian. I don't believe in God. I believe in evolution. And I believe this. And what about this? And what about this? You know, and some people started talking to them about all these things and talking about all these things. And they just hung out with us for about 10 days. And after about 10 days, one of the guys says, you know what? I want to receive Jesus. I want what you have. And I remember thinking, well, what was, did we answer your arguments? Well, no. My soul knows what I need before my mind got there. My soul's just traveling faster than my mind. But I see it and I want it. And we have that effect on each other even with our faith. See, it's not good to develop arguments, fill the space instead with love. Don't fill it with debate. Fill it with love, care. It's not good for the man to be alone. It doesn't matter if a person's a person of faith or not. They need community. We are all looking for community. We might not recognize it. We might think it's a pain. It's difficult. 
But there's some point in our life where we struggle and we need it. There's been times where I'm talking to one of my kids and they just say, I just want to, I want to be home. Why? Because things are really difficult right now. Can I come and visit? Can I come by? Yeah, of course. Why? Because there's security, there's family, there's the knowing you're going to be safe here. You have the ability to come here. He says, your sins are forgiven. And he says, which is easier to say? Jesus knew what they were thinking. He, he saw their thoughts. They're thinking, who can forgive sins? That's blasphemy. And he says, well, what's easier to say? Your sins are forgiven or take up your bed and walk? Well, it's easier to say your sins are forgiven. Because I could say it, but who knows if it happened or not. But to say, take up your bed and walk, that has, you have to prove it now. And so that you might know that what I'm saying is true, let me empower my words with this action. The man got up and left. And everyone who rejoiced with him was part of his tribe. In fact, that's how you can know who the people in your tribe are. Is everyone who can rejoice with you, they are a part of your tribe. Those who can't rejoice when you do well, well, that's not what a tribe does. You see, everyone who could rejoice, this guy was paralyzed, now he's healed. Oh my gosh, what a great thing for him. That's part of what a tribe looks like. The Pharisees, oh no, we can't have this. They were bummed out. They're not part of the tribe. Your tribe will celebrate your success. Your tribe celebrates your victory. Can you celebrate the success or the victory of others? When a friend of yours gets a promotion, are you glad for them? Or are you, I'm smarter than them. I should have got that. Why am I here, God, and they're there? Can you celebrate other people's victories, other people's success? Because that's showing a condition of the heart. But understand this so that we don't get a simplistic answer or a picture in our mind. When a victory takes place, we think everybody's happy. When we read in, in the scripture and vic, you know Israel conquered and won and we think, oh, that's a great story, that's a victory. There were people who fell and died for that victory to take place. We talk about this on like Memorial Day or when we think of the freedoms that we have and we think of the men and women who serve in the armed forces and we are grateful to them because we know that the freedoms that we enjoy have a cost to them. See, people died to have that freedom that you enjoy. People gave their lives to enjoy that freedom. The, the victories that take place in people's life are going to cost you and me something. It's going to cost us time. It's going to cost us the energy. It's going to cost us the concern. It's not going to just happen. Everyone's going to be happy. Ooh, let's all sing kumbaya. It's got to require something. It's going to take an investment of our lives. If we want to see victory take place in someone's life, you've got to climb the roof and you've got to tear the roof off. Otherwise, it doesn't happen. So 
Who do we want to be? What kind of people do we want to be? Do we want to be people who see the people come out of the paralyzed state, people who move into a place of victorious life, who have a, a genuine relationship with God, who move from a place of addiction to a place of reliance on God instead of on something else, that people who have healthy relationships, healthy marriages, then it's going to cost us the time. It's going to cost us the investment. It's going to cost us the relationships. Otherwise, it doesn't take place. Otherwise, we're not a tribe. And And I'm not interested in you coming to church. I'm interested in us being what the church is meant to be. I'm interested in us being a tribe that moves in the lives of people together. I want us to be a community that's healthy, which means it's going to require from us. You can do life alone, but in the end, you will be alone. You can say, well, I've got my friend, I've got my girlfriend, I've got my husband, I've got my wife, I've got my kids. Your kids are going to leave you. Your wife, your husband, they will be there for you, but they cannot meet all the needs that you have. You need a community if you are going to live a healthy life. You do. I do. We all do. It gives us an understanding. Otherwise, you start going into the same ruts over and over and over again. We will never know wholeness until we journey together and choose to become part of that tribe. We become aware not of just how strong people are for me, but I also become aware of how some people are weak and need my strength. Because the strength of the tribe is not measured by who is strong by you. It's measured by who is weak that you bring up and don't leave behind. Because one day, you will fall. One day, something may happen. I pray it doesn't. But when you get the call, that your child has committed suicide. When you get the doctor's response says you have cancer, you're going to need some people to pick you up. You're going to need a tribe. You're going to need someone by your side to come alongside of you when your knees buckle and you give out. You need the tribe now for when the day comes. And right now you can be here for someone else. And later that person may be the one who's there for you. Let's pray. Lord, this is such a beautiful story and we see in it such a moving example of what real friends look like, of what a tribe looks like. And, and Lord, as you commended the friends, you healed the paralyzed. And when you healed the paralyzed, you lifted the heart of the friends. Lord, may that be our example. May, may we see our times together as opportunities to see and connect to the concerns and the needs 
of those that are around us. May we not be here just for ourselves, but for those who are here. And Lord, I pray if there are some who are here this morning who who are not part of a tribe, who, who do not see themselves connected, maybe even to you, but already their soul is speaking to them, this is really what you want. Their soul is whispering to their mind, this is what you need. You know this is right. Lord, I pray that they would make the response to you. They would become a part of your tribe. And if that is you here tonight or this morning, I do pray that you will take that step and, and allow God to continue to speak into your life. We'd love to be a part of that conversation and like to encourage you in that conversation. But if I, if I can lead you into a conversation with God, I trust that God will continue that conversation. So Lord, I pray that that conversation would start in the hearts of some here this morning. Lord, we do pray that you would knit our hearts together in your love. We thank you for your faithfulness. In Jesus' name. May you see that you can get further with a tribe than you can get anywhere alone. May you recognize the strength is not by how strong the people are around you, but by how you are able to pull up the weak who are near you. And may we become a tribe that loves, cares, and will tear the roof off the house to get healing to take place. God bless you guys. Enjoy your Sunday. Thank you.